Please turn with me now to the Word of God in Daniel 4. We're going to begin reading at verse 19, where Daniel, having heard Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the great tree that was cut down, is amazed and troubled by the dream, but goes on to interpret the dream as a warning to King Nebuchadnezzar. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree which thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong. For thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it. Yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field. And let it be wet with the dew of heaven. And let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, And this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon 
that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my name, of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose kingdom is an everlasting, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Verses 34 and 35 are the text for this evening's sermon, especially verse 35. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. Or say unto him, What doest thou? That's Nebuchadnezzar's confession of God's sovereignty, of the great truth that God is God and God alone 
and that there is none like him. None who can compare with him in majesty, in glory, in power, and in saving strength. God is God alone. And Nebuchadnezzar's confession of God's sovereignty is one of the most remarkable confessions of that great truth that you will find anywhere in the Word of God. We're going to look at that confession this evening first as a remarkable confession and then too as an illustrative confession. And I mean by that that Nebuchadnezzar himself in making this confession is a powerful illustration of God's sovereignty. Because as I hope to show you, Nebuchadnezzar's confession is not the confession of a man whose heart was changed and who was in making that confession a child of God. He was not one who confessed God's sovereignty as you and I confess it. And finally, I want to talk about the importance of this confession because Nebuchadnezzar, in making this confession, makes it not for himself, but for God's people. Those of God's people who were captives in Babylon by his hand, as well as God's people today. And he makes that confession for God's people for their comfort so that they can be sure, so that you and I can be sure that nothing happens by chance. Nothing in our own lives happens by chance. But all things under the sovereign direction and control of God. And so that we say, in all the changing circumstances of our lives, this God is our God. And he will be our guide even unto death. So first of all, the confession itself. The story is, of course, one of the most memorable stories that you find in the Word of God. One of the greatest of all earthly kings in power, in conquests, in wealth, was humbled by God himself. Nebuchadnezzar had had already, at the time of this dream, shown his pride. His pride in his own power and wealth. 
when he made that image of gold and demanded that all the peoples of his kingdom worship that image of gold. He was really claiming to be God when he set up that image and describing all that had ever happened to himself. All those victories over the other nations, including Israel, were his. But even though he had seen something of the power of God, when Daniel's three friends were delivered from the fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar had not at all humbled himself. And so God sent him this dream as a warning. The dream of a great tree that was cut down, though its stump was left in the earth, and which for seven years was, as Daniel said, wet with the dew of heaven and left in the fields with the beasts, For seven years. Nebuchadnezzar did not take Daniel's warning. Daniel pleaded with the king. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. About a year later, Nebuchadnezzar, walking on the walls of Babylon, boasted openly of his power and majesty as the king of the whole world of that day. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power, and for the glory of my majesty. And it was at that moment, while the words were still in Nebuchadnezzar's mouth, that the word of God, given to him in that warning dream, came to pass. And Nebuchadnezzar, probably suffering from a form of insanity, became like a wild beast and was driven from his palace and from his throne and for seven years lived like a wild animal in the fields until the Bible says his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And only after seven years, seven times, it's called in this chapter, did his understanding return, and only then did he acknowledge that there was a king greater than himself. And our text is his confession of the fact that God is King of kings and Lord of lords. 
a king far greater in majesty and power and glory than Nebuchadnezzar himself. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's confession, as I said, is one of the most most remarkable and complete confessions of God's sovereignty that you'll find anywhere in the Word of God. And I want to begin this evening by pointing out to you some of the notable features of Nebuchadnezzar's confession. He acknowledges that God is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, a far greater King than himself with those last words of verse 34. But then in verse 35 especially, he acknowledges that in comparison to God, he, with all the other inhabitants of the earth is nothing. Nothing at all. His power, his wealth, his conquests are nothing in comparison to God himself. All the inhabitants of the earth, and he includes himself in that, are reputed as nothing. But then Nebuchadnezzar goes on, and that's remarkable, to confess that God, unlike Nebuchadnezzar himself, has sovereignly and eternally willed, decreed, planned all things. He doeth according to His will. And Nebuchadnezzar must have meant by that that Nebuchadnezzar's own ascent as king of Babylon was not his doing, but the doing of God himself, who does, as Nebuchadnezzar said, according to his will, in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And that's part of God's sovereignty, what we confess about God's sovereignty, that he has, as Lord of all, sovereignly and eternally decreed everything that comes to pass. From the smallest of events, the fall of a raindrop, to those events that shake and change the course of history. And he confesses, too, that God has not just eternally decreed or willed all things, but that he is the one who brings everything to pass. Nothing happens by chance, but all things 
by his hand. That's part of Nebuchadnezzar's confession. We call that the efficaciousness of God's decree. But all that means is that God who has decreed all things also makes all things happen. His will is not just a plan, but powerful, the cause of all that happens. He confesses too that God in bringing all things to pass is righteous and good. None can say unto him, What doest thou? Confesses that no one can even question God's ways and God's works and what he has eternally decreed. There is, as Paul puts it in Romans, no unrighteousness with God. Confesses too that God's God in bringing all things to pass does so in a way that is powerful. None can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? That's all part of what we confess when we say that God is sovereign. He even says something about God's purpose as the one who has decreed all things and brings them to That's why that word army is so important. He does according to his will, Nebuchadnezzar says, in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Nebuchadnezzar uses that word to refer especially to the angels, but it applies to all things and refers to the fact that under the sovereign direction and control of God, everything, angels, devils, men and women, thinking, willing creatures, as well as the brute creation, march like an army in perfect step to do God's will, to accomplish his purpose. And Nebuchadnezzar is acknowledging, really, the fact that he also marches in obedience to God to accomplish God's purpose. An amazing confession. 
to apply what Nebuchadnezzar says today. That means that our president and vice president, the members of Congress, the governor of this state and of the other states, wicked men like the ruler of Russia, all are part of that army and march in perfect harmony to accomplish God's purpose. To use the words of Paul in Romans 8, they all work together doing God's work, doing it in perfect harmony. We don't see that harmony. But it's there nevertheless. All things work together. And of course, as Paul adds, work together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. That's Nebuchadnezzar's confession of God's sovereignty. Now I said that that confession that Nebuchadnezzar himself in making that confession is an illustration of God's sovereignty. And an illustration of God's sovereignty because he makes that confession as a wicked and unbelieving man. As a man whose heart was not changed by what had happened to him. When you read those closing verses of Daniel 4, and perhaps you wonder if that's indeed the case. I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Or this, verse 37, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. I'm saying that those words of Nebuchadnezzar are still the words of a wicked, idol-worshipping, unbelieving man. And that the confession he makes, therefore, is a confession that he was forced to make in spite of himself, by our sovereign God. He makes this confession in somewhat the same way that Balaam did when he 
blessed Israel in spite of the fact that he desperately wanted to curse them. God put sovereignly his words in Balaam's mouth and does the same with Nebuchadnezzar. He makes this confession as King Darius would later make it. After Daniel was delivered from the lion's den, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. He makes, Nebuchadnezzar makes his confession, as everyone will do, of our sovereign Lord and Savior, when he comes again. In that day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Not all as believers. Why do I say that? Well, you maybe notice that in Darius's confession, very similar to Nebuchadnezzar's, that there's something missing. Something that you and I always say when we confess God's sovereignty. We say, don't we? This God is our God. And we say that because we know him in Christ Jesus and have seen what he, as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, Lord of Pilate, Lord of Herod, Lord of Judas, did on our behalf in the crucifixion of our Savior, what he has done for our salvation. We don't just say, God is God. When we confess God's sovereignty, But we say God is my God. And that's what's missing in Nebuchadnezzar's confession. In fact, if you have had any doubts about that, Nebuchadnezzar actually says the opposite. Says in effect, This God is still not 
my God. Go back to the beginning of Daniel 4. And you'll see that. We didn't read that part of the chapter. I thought the chapter was too long to read in its entirety. But look at Daniel 4, verse 8. This is the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's telling the story of what happened to him. But at the last, he's just mentioned the fact that none of his magicians or soothsayers could explain the dream. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name, Nebuchadnezzar had given him that name, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. And in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him, I told the dream. Nebuchadnezzar worshipped a god named Bel, one of the idol gods of the Babylonians. And you probably know that when Daniel and his three friends were brought to Babylon as captives and servants of Nebuchadnezzar, that Nebuchadnezzar deliberately changed their names so that their names no longer included God's name, but the names of his idol gods. Changed Daniel's name, which meant God is judge to Belteshazzar, which means... Something like that. But Bell is judge. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, part of the story of what happened to him, Daniel came in before me whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. Still unchanged in heart. Still not confessing that the sovereign of heaven and earth was his God. As you and I do, believing that that sovereign God is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has in Christ sovereignly done all that's necessary for our salvation. No doubt about it. In light of what Nebuchadnezzar himself says in chapter 4, verse 8, that his heart was unchanged. And it's in that way that his confession becomes even more remarkable And Nebuchadnezzar becomes an illustration of God's sovereignty. Of the fact, as the book of Proverbs says, that the heart of the king 
is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it whithersoever he will. Even the heart of a wicked and unbelieving king is in the hands of Almighty God. An illustrative confession. But that means, too, that Nebuchadnezzar did not make that confession for himself. He didn't need it. Didn't want it. Bell was still his God. He makes that confession. That's why it's here in the book of Daniel. He made it for the Jews of that day. And he makes it for every true Jew. And that includes, of course, you and me. For As Paul puts it in Romans, he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, nor is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. You and I, by the sovereign grace of God, belong to that truth. Jewish nation, for whom, for whose sake, these things are recorded in the Word of God. And they're there for our comfort. God's sovereignty ought to be And I trust is one of those truths of Scripture that when you hear it, warms your heart. And gives you peace and assurance. Especially when your way is difficult. Now you may may think... As I say that, you may think or even say, but I don't find much comfort in the sovereignty of God. It might be like the writer of Psalm 77. The thought of God brought me no peace, but rather made my fears increase. And say that, of course, because... Your way is so difficult. You don't know what I've been through. You don't understand what I'm suffering, how I'm struggling, the difficulties I face. I can't find any comfort in the sovereignty of God. I know that it's His hand 
I'm sure of that. But I don't find any peace. Nobody has gone through what I'm going through. But when that's your attitude, you have to go back to the days of Daniel in your mind. And remember where the Jews were at in those days. Their homes were burned. Their place of worship had been torn down. Their city was ruined. They were captives and slaves in a foreign land. Many of them had been slaughtered by Nebuchadnezzar when he finally took the city of Jerusalem after overrunning the rest of the land. This word is not addressed to people who had everything the way they wanted it, whose lives were peaceful and undisturbed and prosperous, and for whom everything was nice. But this word of God is for people whose circumstances were as difficult as yours. Maybe more so. I don't think we can even imagine. What those Jews had gone through at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar who makes this confession for them of God's sovereignty and who became for them in making this confession an illustration of the fact for God's people the comforting fact that he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. In fact, this confession was for Daniel himself. And he shows in his attitude to King Nebuchadnezzar, shows in what he said, to Nebuchadnezzar that he understood the sovereignty of God and had found in that great truth his peace especially his words of pleading with Nebuchadnezzar let my counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by righteousness and so on but he had already said when he first heard the dream, the dream be to them that hate thee, 
and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. Do you understand that when Daniel said those things to Nebuchadnezzar, he was talking to a man who had torn him, still just a boy, from his home and family in Judah, brought him to Babylon, made him in Babylon a eunuch, castrated him, and then made him the son of a prince in Judah, a servant in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar. How would you react to that? Would you have spoken to Nebuchadnezzar the way that Daniel does in this chapter? Served him faithfully as Daniel did? I tell you, my dear fellow believers, Daniel was like that only, only, Because he understood Nebuchadnezzar's confession and was able to add to that confession in all that had happened to him. Add those words. This God is my God. And he did not even have the record. Not yet of what God would do for his people in Jesus Christ. All he had were the promises. But they were enough. The promises that showed even in the Old Testament for those thousands of years before Christ came, what the sovereignty of God means for those whom he's eternally loved and made his own. The sovereignty of God is in Jesus Christ part of our comfort in life and in death for body and for soul now and forever. Lord's Day 1. What is thine only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom I belong so entirely that not a hair can fall from my head except it be his will. So you must take Nebuchadnezzar's confession as your own, but add, always add, those words, this God is our God.
in Jesus Christ. My Lord and my Savior. And therefore, in all my struggles, when it seems as though everything is against me, therefore, believing in Jesus Christ, I am sure I can't work it all out in my head. But I am sure nevertheless that nothing, not being torn from my home and family, not being brought a slave to Babylon, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I don't understand how, but all things, for Christ's sake, must work for my good. And therefore, my troubled heart, be still and rest in him who alone rules in the kingdoms of men, whose will is done, and that will includes his eternal love for me and amazing love for me. His will will make All things work together for my good. That's God's word for you and for me this evening. God grant us his peace. Amen. Eternal and almighty God, we thank thee that thou art God alone. And in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our God, and our Father, give us grace to rest in that truth. And especially when our way is dark and difficult, give us the peace of knowing that thou doest according to thy will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, that none can stay thy hand or say unto thee, What doest thou? Forgive us our doubts and fears. We ask it all in the name of our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.